When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey Mets fans, welcome to another breaking news pod here on Amazing Avenue. We are gathered today, and by we I mean myself, Brian Salvatore, along with Allison McCaig and Lucas Lajos, to talk about the Mets signing Jose Quintana to a two-year contract. The deal is worth $26 million that is evenly split between the two years. Uh, Quintana is going into his age 34 season, coming off of a very good year. He split between the Cardinals and the Pirates. Um He's left-handed, which feels relevant to this conversation. Allison, I want to start with you. Does this move get you excited? Does this seem like a smart decision, et cetera, et cetera? It's not a splashy move. It's not a sexy move, but I think it's a smart decision. Um, I think whether I get excited, truly excited about it is dependent on whether this is the Taiwan Walker replacement or whether this is also the Chris Bassett replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's the latter, then that's not very exciting at all. But in a vacuum, if we're just evaluating this contract for what it is, I think it's a very smart move by the Mets. Um, if you look at the pitchers who signed yesterday in Taiwan Walker and Jamison Tyone, and they got fairly comparable contracts because they were seen as like fairly comparable pitchers on the market and the Mets were connected at least to Tyone um fairly seriously um you look at the contracts they got they got four years roughly 70 million both of them and that's to me like a pretty 
Like that's more than I thought either one of those two would get um, going into the off season. And I don't see Quintana as that much of a step down from those, but he's much cheaper. And so I think that the Mets made a very smart move here. Um, and that is all predicated on like, if they also go out and get a mid rotation starter, a starter, a la a Bassett, a Kodai Senga, something like that. If they do both of those moves, then I think that they, the rotation is like very well set up for success this season. Lucas, anything to add to that or any, any dissensions there? No, I think that covers it pretty nicely. Um, first off that, Tywin Walker contract is insane. Uh, I mean, good good for Tywin getting paid, but good lord, what the hell are the Phillies doing? Um, at least the uh, the Jamison Tyon contract, you can squint and look at like potential maximizations of his pitch mix, and he has certain characteristics that that teams are going to think they can fiddle with some more. Now, whether that's wise or not, it's a different discussion. But there, you can squint and see further upside there. Well, it doesn't have that. And the Phillies just guaranteed a dude with a long history of shoulder problems and a not totally clean health record over the last two years, $2 million bucks. So um, there's also, I think, an argument that Quintana is as good a pitcher as Walker. Um, he had a better ERA last year, and that's certainly flawed. But, uh, I mean, it means something. Uh, they had similar stat pass metrics in terms of Woba and expected Woba and problems with, with expected Woba aside. That also has to mean something. Um, Fangraph, or excuse me, baseball prospectuses, more advanced metrics like DRA minus say that Walker was pretty significantly better. Uh, Katana about 10% below league average by that metric. But bottom line here is there, there's a, a defensible argument that the Mets signed a pitcher as good as the one they lost for like what is that a third of the money in total mm-hmm. and uh 75% as much AV like that's a really nice that's a really nice uh, uh move there um but I do agree with Allison that they should add another starter still and, and it seems like the Sanga rumors are real and that'd be that'd be a nice uh, finishing move here yeah, that would be to me. That is, that is the piece of this that makes me feel the best is that they are not out on Senga yet, and presumably that means that even if they don't land Senga, they're still in on another piece of that sort of general quality, which is what they need because, you know, David Peterson may turn into something. I every year that goes by, I think that's less and less of a possibility. And if you're building a team to win now, you kind of need to go all in and just let them win now. And so that, to me, that also means they got to bring back Brandon Nimmo. They probably need another bat. I would like them to replace the Darren Ruff spot in the roster with somebody who can actually hit. Although I think there's a very compelling argument to be made that Darren Ruff had a historically bad stretch of his career with the Mets and that the Mm -hmm. real Darren Ruff, quote unquote, is probably much better than that. But I, I would still like to upgrade there. Um, but that's, you know, that's a conversation for a different day, I believe. I mean, I think at this point, um, and again, reiterating, they should absolutely sign another mid rotation is underselling saying good Bassett a little bit, I think, but they're also not top of the rotation guys. So call them like somewhere in that middle in between that. I think they absolutely need to sign one of those guys. Um, but if push comes to shove and there had to be a choice made here, uh, I'd rather be giving a rotation spot to David Peterson or, or whoever at the back of the rotation and bringing back Brandon Nimmo 
than adding another starter and relying on like Kevin Kiermaier in center field. Like at this point, to me, there is no bigger, no higher priority than than bring back Brandon Nimmo just because there are no alternatives, right? There are literally no other viable starting center fielders in free agency, and I don't know that I see any uh, on the trade market either. Now, maybe you think Brian Reynolds is that, but he's not a real center fielder uh, given his defensive metrics last season so like I, I think at this point they need to be hyper focused on demo and I, I don't know that they are yeah I can agree with that assessment I like if you had to pick one or the other bring back Nimmo or sign a mid-rotation starter I think that Nimmo is probably a higher priority um because you know at this point you have um David Peterson Tyler McGill Joey Lucchese Alicia Hernandez like those all of those guys competing for one rotation spot. It was never going to be acceptable for them to compete for two rotation spots. That was never going to be okay. Now we're at least at the point where that is only filling one rotation spot. Um, Obviously I would feel even more comfortable if all of those guys are relegated to injury depth. (laughs) Yep. Um, But uh, you know, Nimmo is there's no one there's, there's no depth behind like the Nimmo replacement that like that just has to happen um whereas they can weather not getting another pitcher um i would prefer they did but they can weather not getting another pitcher i don't think that they would weather very well in the outfield not replacing nimmo with either nimmo himself or someone as good as him which doesn't really exist on the free agent market like lucas said i think that a i think there's like a couple of outcomes possible outcomes here i think the worst possible outcome is like obviously them not them being done right now which i don't think is is probable at all no um, that Passan tweet, maybe, it seems like they're gonna everyone expects them to just keep spending like drunken sailors which is fine hey and when, once you go over right, that threshold which is great. you might you kind of might as well right like you might as well you, yeah right yeah. now they are already over the threshold they have just the, with the Quintana contract, they went over the th- the Steve Cohen tax. They're calling it. They went over the Steve Cohen tax. So so what's the difference between ten million over and fifty million over? Really, not that much. Um, right. so they so I think that them like being done. I I mean they they're never going to be done, but I think that them being done with major things is also not very probable. Um, I think the the next worst outcome is the outcome that Lucas mentioned, where they they just sign the starter and they do Kevin Kiermeyer instead of Brandon Nimmo, which would be a significant downgrade. Um, and then I think the next kind of worst outcome is they bring back Nimmo, but they don't sign the starter. And then after that, it's like there's kind of two possible best case scenarios. There's either they go all out in free agency and they sign the Kodai Sanga, Chris Bassett equivalent, um, and also sign Nimmo. They could do that. Um, or they could bring back Brandon Nimmo and trade for a Chris Bassett equivalent, do the Chris Bassett trade that they did, but for somebody else who's maybe not making a lot of money, but is that mid rotation starter. So they, that way they could save a little bit of money. They'd have to give up prospects, obviously um, that they probably don't really have at this point, given the, and I don't think they want to part with Beatty and Alvarez, um, but they, they could pull that off again. Uh, It didn't take that much to get Chris Bassett in the first place. Um, they could do something like that again to fill that slot. 
via don't not free the, agents. There's a rumor out there that the Rangers want James McCann. So maybe you uh, maybe you throw them James <laughs> McCann and you get something in return, whether you use that something or then you flip that something for a starting pitcher. Yeah, I don't know what the Rangers have to offer the Mets as far as like James McCann is worthless at this point. Yeah, but... I don't think they'd be offering the Mets anything. Just be like, hey, you want to pay James McCann eight million bucks for us? All right, he's yours. And that opens up a spot on the bench. Yeah. Let, let a boy dream. Okay. I don't think mm-hmm. that the Rangers are having a very good uh I don't think the Rangers are thinking things through right now. So, you know. The Rangers have thought things through for like the last five years at this point. Uh, yeah. and and I'm not just saying that because they're spending they're giving out really big contracts. That's good. It's everything else they do that's really, really bad. Yeah. Um Yeah, I just don't I mean, I think it's as excited as I would be. Uh, the Mets to sign Senga. Uh, and I think this is something that's come up a lot on uh, from Complex to Queens, how we bemoan the, Met, the Mets just not uh, looking into the Asian markets ever. It'd be really cool for them to sign Senga, but to Allison's point, there's going to be more available starting pitching, I think, than uh, uh, starting quality center fielders on the market. Um, in particular, it was like they're so dead set on Nimmo leaving. I don't know why they were in on Bellinger, for instance. And it, it really does feel like we're hurtling towards Kevin Kiermeyer opening day center fielder, which does not sound so great. That would not excite me as as much as his no. uh, his sparkling blue eyes would excite me. His <laughs> play mm-hmm. on the field uh, on the field would not excite me much. Well, mostly at the plate, his his bat would not excite yes. me much. He is a very yeah. good center fielder. I I, I want to say two things about Nimmo and, and the sort of current Nimmo situation. First of all, I wish I could go back and play like 2017 Lucas a bit of him saying that somebody else wasn't a true center fielder, but implying that Nimmo was because I feel like that would have broken all of our brains in 2017. Because we were not. I think I, I think I was on him of being a true center fielder. Now I also was an idiot back then. I didn't know anything about scouting <laughs> defense, and I still don't really know that much. But I was also wrong at the time, probably. Um, so who, who can say? Who can say? Fair um, enough. Uh, but, but the other thing but I, I yes. want to say, the thing I want to say about, about Nimmo though is, um, first of all, I, I do think Nimmo is coming back. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna wind up getting Nimmo back. I, I just feel like. It makes the most sense for both of them to have a reunion. The only hiccup here is just that Scott Boris is his agent and Boris is going to wring every penny he can out of this. And I don't know if the Mets necessarily want to uh, want to pay top dollar for for Nemo. Um What did he say that the, the Mets are in a metamorphosis or whatever the hell? It's... Yeah. Some... He did, yeah. He definitely did do like a Boris fed line immediately after the off season started. Like he even said it at the start of the winter meetings too. Yeah, like yeah. he and he and the thing that maybe and and again this is like old news at this point and may not end up being relevant, but like right after the Mets like lost the wild card round. They like they interviewed like, you know, the the major like departing free agents like Diaz, Nimmo and DeGrom. And obviously Diaz seemed the most keen on returning and that ended up playing out. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and Nimmo taught Nimmo didn't seem like 
not keen on returning, but he like he talked about the Mets as if they were past tense already and talked to and said like they instead of we like the organization is in a good place. They blah, blah, blah. And I feel like a lot of guys would say like, you know, the we are mm-hmm. good, you know, <laughs> like, but Nimmo was already talking about it as if it wasn't his team anymore, like less than like an hour after the season ended. So, I wonder I how know. much of that is. Just I don't being think that coached. means anything. I think that's just Scott Boris. Boris yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Boris did just get Taiwan Walker $72 million. So I also have to admit, I was very wrong. And I think Allison, you said they should have offered him a QO. I did not see Taiwan Walker signing for this much money. And if this was going to be the case, they should have QO'd him. They should have QO'd him. 100%. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, I, yeah. I did not. I mean, in the end, maybe he would have. I, I don't know. I mm. guess. I guess he would have turned it down because, like, it, if this was in his future, you know, you turn it down then, and the mm. Mets get the get the draft pick, which would have been good for them. But like, if if I think that the Mets are in a better position now for having signed Quintana for what they signed Quintana for, essentially like replacing Walker for, and that's less than the QO amount, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. So well, that that's my point, right? Like, I saw Walker. And Quintana as much more similar pitchers, and I didn't see them signing for more than like two high to like basically what Quintana got or, or three thirty five. And a lot of times, the guys you expect to get that sort of contract just take the QO. And yeah. it, it, it's, I guess the, the Phillies are feeling. I mean, there's there may be some other stuff that we, that isn't as publicly available on Walker. He does a good job of producing pop ups and, and soft contact and things like that. And I think there are some stuff models out there that uh, like him more than than uh, the public facing ones might. But uh, yeah, I didn't. I don't think Walker in really... Citizens Bank Park though. Man. Well, he's gonna like his like I don't know. He's gonna give up some every, dingers, some dingers. Every five, every five, maybe seven starts, he has one of those starts where he's just throwing meatballs over the heart of the plate. It's gonna be ugly in that yes. ballpark. Like I. I don't know. I mean, yeah, like the Mets clearly in hindsight should have QO'd him. And maybe, I, I mean, maybe Walker was a Walker and his agent were aware of his market and the Mets were just ignorant of the market or, you know, the Phillies, maybe the Phillies pulled like a Wilpon Mets move and were like, this is our guy that we want to get. We're going to jump the market immediately <laughs> and more get this guy for this crazy up, contract. Whatever. I, I just cannot bring myself to act. I, I think Brian and I had this conversation yesterday in regards to Turner. I just cannot bring myself to be concerned about the Phillies. <laughs> I'm um, concerned about Trey Turner on the Phillies. That's for mm-hmm. damn sure. I don't like the idea of being tormented by Trey Turner again. That does not just that does not spark. Just joy. start. Just start <laughs> Nito for all three games when they play the Phillies. We'll be fine. Sure. We'll be fine. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I did want to bring hope up his speed declines enough. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, 
This is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So the last thing I did want to bring up um, about this move is just that this is the Mets continuing to get older in their starting rotation. Quintana's 34 years old, and uh, or he'll be 34 when the season starts. And on a two-year deal for a lefty, lefties pitch forever, I can talk myself into this not being a problem. But, Lucas, I know you have a lot of concerns about the Mets' general pitching age, and this probably doesn't yeah. doesn't help that too much. No, no, it doesn't, certainly. And I, I think you're talking about a whole different regime of age-related risks when you're as old as Scherzer or Verlander is. Um and then, then a guy in his early to mid thirties, like Quintana is. I don't know if that's early or mid thirties, honestly. Um, so, so it it is a bit of a different beast, but I, I think it is, it's also worth noting how old this roster is, and that's by necessity, right? Like the farm does not have any major league ready starters. Jose Puto is not a viable major league starter, um, and he's really the only option in the upper minors. So. They they're they have no choice, right? They basically have to keep buying older arms like this until their drafting and development pipeline is up to snuff. Until it's, I'd say they probably creep back into the middle third of the league, but even then, it's going to take a couple of years for that to start to pay fruit. So that you don't have to sign Jose Quintana, you have, I don't know, David Peterson, but five percent better, and you're you're okay starting him uh, as your fourth or fifth starter. So. It's going to take a couple more years. I still think they need to make some more improvements in that that area. Um, and then by the by the time Quintana's kind of contract rolls off and maybe Scherzer's and Verlander's contracts fall off, you're hoping that the farm is in a better spot to produce guys like, um, I'm trying to imagine a, a Dodgers name here that would make sense to uh, Caleb Clayton Kershaw. Or, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, well, sure. If you could produce a Clayton Kershaw every couple of years, that would be ideal. Uh, let's try to keep our expectations in line. The other thing it'd be good for them to to learn how to do is is also the other thing the Dodgers do, and that's sign guys off the scrap heap. Turn Andrew Heaney and Tyler Anderson into mid rotation starters, um, and they're not there yet. So you hope. Well, that I by mean, the time uh, somebody... to 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 kind of uh, buck that, isn't that what they did with Tyler Walker? degree i think i don't know that they really changed walker all that much right i think they took more of a health related gamble given his long history of shoulder problems and he had shown a little bit of promise in toronto uh at the end of the season prior to signing with the mets so i don't know that they actually took a guy and tweaked his pitch mix or changed this the shape of his uh fastball or whatever and, and made him a lot better i think they just took a health related gamble there and it paid off whereas the Dodgers took Tyler Anderson and took Andrew Heaney and uh, maximized their pitch characteristics. And, and uh, I don't know that the Mets are in a spot to consistently do that yet. But you hope by the time that some of these deals fall off their 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 cap sheet, they are in a position to sign a dude for three million dollars, and you're just kind of confident. Oh, okay, they'll figure out how to make this work. 
Sure. Yeah, and I, I will also add to that that, like, as far as, like, concern about the age of the rotation, which I think, like, I think you'd be silly if you weren't concerned about it at least a little bit. But I will point out that, like, not all not all age-related decline is created equal um, and huh? not all injury risk is created equal. Like, if you think about Justin Verlander, for example, he, he yes, he missed a significant amount of time, but that was because of a Tommy John and he's come back and been fine. Um, you think compare that to Jacob deGrom, who still has an unspecified UCL problem. And you're like, well, <laughs> among among many other issues. Yes. Yeah. Among many other like, you know, he had a like a, a scapula issue and, a, and an unspecified elbow problem mm-hmm. which is probably ucl related because sandy alderson said so and then jacob Degrom was furious that he yeah. said so yeah so like you mean i mean these two things are not created equal right and like with max scherzer okay yes he did miss some time last season because he had an oblique injury that is the type of thing that will happen that is more likely to happen as you age but he didn't have elbow problems and he didn't have shoulder problems um, Jose Quintana has had shoulder problems in the past. So yes, that is an area of concern as well. So you think I like, I don't know. I have, I somehow have actually slightly more concern about Quintana than I have about Verlander, despite the fact that Verlander is, is 40 because and of like the type Lucas of injuries I, that they were. Yeah. And Lucas and I just talked about this too, um, which is just that because of, Verlander having Tommy John relatively recently and having two years off essentially relatively recently, you think the injury miss is probably a little bit less severe than it will be for a 40 year old who hasn't just had that amount of rest and elbow cleanup. I mean, my big concern right. with, with Verlander and also Scherzer is that I think, and, and this is purely a theory because there's not a ton of guys who pitch to this age period for you to actually make models on it. But I, my, my, suspicion is that once you get past a certain age there's a heightened risk of just out of left field a cliff coming physically and that's my big concern it's not backed up by any data or or anything solid it's just a a, call it a paranoia if nothing else so that that's my real concern with Berlander and that was really an argument in favor of signing like Gossman over Scherzer or Rodon over Verlander. Like, for the back of the rotation, you sign whoever. It's a two-year deal, and you live with it, right? And if if uh, Quintana gets hurt, you have to start David Peterson 10 times. I know there's some serious David Peterson hate out there, and he's certainly not a stop, top of the rotation guy, but it's not the end of the world, right? If David Peterson's your sixth starter, you're okay. If Jose Budo's your sixth starter, you are not okay. Yeah, and I, and I mean, again, like, like we're not all those innings don't have to be thrown by David Peterson. I mean, he might, he, he's probably like the, the top of that pecking order right now, just because like Tyler McGill was hurt so much. And uh, Joey Lucchese was hurt so much. Mm-hmm. Well, he was recovering from Tommy John in theory. He should be back actually uh, and fully healthy, but we'll see what he looks like. Um, and Alicia Hernandez gives up a ton of homers. Um, <laughs> but you know, like, at least you have alternatives to David Peterson if David Peterson is bad. Yes. Like, you don't have to just, like, keep throwing David Peterson out there. Agreed. Agreed. 
All right. Well, I think hopefully McGill's shoulders. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. That's right. But hopefully McGill's shoulders healthy. I'm forgetting Lucchese's on this roster, and I don't know exactly what they're going to do with him. Um, now, I also wonder how many of these guys are going to wind up in the bullpen, which is mostly empty at the moment. And I would like the Mets to do something yeah. about soon. They should change please. that. Well, Tommy Hunter's back. Yes. <laughs> oh, good. Like- good. Yes. Tommy Hunter. Phil's set up, man. Listen, you. I mean, like, I do not support Tommy Hunter setup man, but I support potentially like Tommy Hunter like Sixth middle reliever. Yeah. Like he, he. Oh God. He legit. He, he had, had a like very a good season last year. Last year. Yeah. He had a <laughs> he was very good really season. Really good when he before his back acted up on him again. He was actually very good, and I'm not entirely convinced that like those IL those like back related IL since I mean he had like a really serious back problem like that was real but I think those IL stints at the end of the season were kind of phantom IL stints mm-hmm. like I'm not convinced that that was actually because his back was like because he couldn't pitch like yeah sure maybe he was a little sore like who isn't during the course of the season um but I think that just the the Mets were doing some uh master roster manipulation I think with that um and like you know before that he was he was very good actually like he was serviceable I think I mean like again I'm not I'm not saying you like hand him a job on opening day and like keep him in the bullpen all year by default but I'm saying like for to have him back on a minor league deal I think that's a very good move for the Mets yeah and you might get one month of Sean Reed Foley after oh, Tommy John surgery that, so there you that, go. A, that does not excite me as much no no, no. it excites nobody but that's okay <laughs> now, I mean look, the, the bullpen is a concern for me. I actually may be convinced that you don't sign a fifth starter, but you sign three decent bullpen arms instead, if that's a choice you have to make. But hopefully they yeah. don't have to make that choice. Yeah, look, in an ideal world, they're going to spend like another $50 million minimum in AAB. Um, you simply, again, to our point about center field, like, you, you can survive with the current rotation group. It's not ideal, but you can survive. I don't know that you can survive with the current center field situation or the on-demo alternatives, and you certainly cannot survive with the current bullpen. Uh, so they need there's still a lot of work. To yeah, done. I think they know that. I think they're going to sign at least one or two really good relievers. Like, like they'll bring they might like bring back out of you know and like sign Chafin and, and like do something like that. Sure, that'd be nice. Sure. They should. They have to. I mean, it, the bullpen is mm. Edwin Diaz and Drew Smith and company. It like Stephen Nagosik is like a setup man right now oh in this bullpen. Yeah. <laughs> which um, I don't know if you buy the Stephen Nagosik improvements were real, which I kind of do to a certain extent. Like his his stuff looked really different than it did, you know, before. So that might be real, but you can't like bank on that right the bullpen is always such a question mark it's it's impossible to speak with any authority on on what's going to happen for any of those people right especially somebody who is young and uh and untested like a negosic is so i suppose this goes back to lucas's point about like being able to pick guys up off the scrap heap and optimize their talents right Mm -hmm. like there are teams that like the Dodgers that can build good bullpens that way and spend very little money doing 
doing it because they can just pick out guys who they realize like need a need some tweaks to their mechanics and then they'll be really good um and the Mets like the Mets are seemingly incapable of developing relief pitchers like at all um I mean Seth, uh, Seth Lugo was kind of that Drew Smith is kind of that now um but like if you can't develop these guys you have to pick them up and you know the Mets did a decent job of that last year in in Adam the last couple of years in like the Adam Adovino signing the Aaron Loop signing the year before that so hopefully they can do that again I mean, not for nothing. I'm not necessarily saying that these guys are that, but Jimmy Acabonis was signed. Jeff Brigham they traded for. Uh, William Woods and uh, Stephen Ridings off of waivers. Like they are looking at bringing in these players that maybe a tweak could make a major improvement, but we just have no way of knowing that or knowing if this is just the Mets being cheap until much more information is at our fingertips. And who knows when that will be. I think amassing those guys is a good thing, though, regardless. Like, they are doing the right thing as far as, like, amassing, like, because they they realize how thin their high minors depth is. So I think that they are just amassing those guys. And that's good that they're doing that. But they need more than that. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we had a whole podcast uh Praising that, right, which was supposed to be just ranting for 20 minutes about how the Mets never do good things on the margins, and these are all good things on the margins. Yes, they have done a good job on the margins already this offseason, I think. Yeah, let's celebrate that. that. That's a good thing. And I have to say, even, even last year, they brought in, I mean, I, I just feel like bringing in a lot of bullpen arms was never the Wilpon strategy. No. Never, okay. ever, ever. So, um, you know, let us enjoy when they do that for the no past couple reason. of years. You know, we've already seen like, like they did Joey Lucchese last year, you know, we're already starting to see the things that like make up a, a competent organization. Like yeah. this, the, these are the types of things that like good organizations do every single off season. And right, the bets are only right. like just starting to figure out that they need to do it, but at least they're figuring it out. <laughs> I am I am totally blanking on the name and my internet's running too slow to look it up to jeopardize the podcast. Who is the guy they signed in April that w- that had Tommy John that they had an option on for this year that they picked up? John Curtis. Curtis. John yeah. Curtis. There's another guy that might maybe will be something. Um, yes, yes. He has options, I believe, as well. So yes, you'd ideally. I mean, I think the ideal bullpen construction here is that they sign. Uh, two to three more legit guys, and then the rest you fill out with with optionable arms that you can shuffle in and out. Now, unfortunately, Negosi doesn't have options, but Smith has options. I think uh, Bryce Montestoka has options. Uh, Brigham has options. Eliezer Hernandez has options. Um, John Curtis has an option left. Uh, Eric Orzi would have an option. Uh, so would Woods and Ryder, who we just alluded to. So they're they they built up a a kind of pile, so to say, of, of optionable bullpen arms. And I think you just need to sign the more reliable guys uh, to fill out the, the the back end of the bullpen and that they're in a good spot. I didn't realize Nagosik was out of options, although that makes sense. And sadly, I think that means he's in the opening day bullpen. Oh, yeah. You're right. I don't think it's the end of the world if it's Nagosik not, no. is your eighth relief. That's yeah, like right. he's the last guy. He should be the very last guy. Yeah, agreed. Um, real quick before we go, Lucas, as our resident minor league expert on the call, 
Mm-hmm. Do you think the Mets are going to do anything of interest in the Rule 5 draft? Are there any interesting names out there you can see the Mets picking up? There are quite a few interesting names, and I'm the kind of sicko who loves this stuff. Um, if you want a full discussion of this with everyone, go listen to last week's Term Complex to Queens. Um, or is it this week's? Time is no meeting anymore. Um, uh, the most interesting one, I think, is Eric Miller. He's a lefty reliever in the Philly system that's probably major league ready, and the Mets have no lefty relief depth at the moment. Um, uh, Cameron Meisner is another interesting potential reserve outfield guy, uh, though he's struck out a lot in the minors, but he's got speed, defense, power off the bench, um, and the Mets have no outfield depth. Uh, I'm also a big sucker for Ryan Noda. Now, he'd be another first-base DH type from the Dodgers. I don't know that you can actually fit him on the roster, but I think he's very good, and he should get a chance. And he's good enough that I might just draft him, see if he sticks in spring training, and then throw him back if if that's what it comes to. So um, we talked about a couple other names beyond that, but those were the three that uh, I I found most interesting. I think Miller would really make a lot of sense for this roster. I hope they uh, take a look at him if he's available when their pick comes up. Thank you. Very, very good insight there because I got none. So I appreciate you having a position on this. <laughs> um, the only thing I know about the Rule 5 draft is that like a few uh, Amazing Avenue commenters are very mad online about p- the potential of losing Jake Mangum next year's starting center fielder. There, yes. are, literally, there are literally six outfielders in the Rule 5 draft I can name off the top of my head in other organizations that are better than Jake Mangum. So. Look, if another team wants to take Jake Mangum and roster him all year, uh, more power to you. How many rounds is the Rule 5 draft? Uh, two, three. Like, I but, but basically, you can make as many selections as you want because a lot of teams don't bother and just sell the picks for two cents. So Right, right. You can, you can, do, you can do the take a bunch of guys. And I would love to see a really terrible team roster like five Rule 5 guys one year. Yeah. Um, I think that'd be fun, but Washington think... Nationals, that's your yeah. music. <laughs> look, 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 we can, and I don't need to belabor this, this podcast too much longer, but and there are too many teams that don't try in baseball, but I think there is a point where it makes sense to blow things up. And this is true across most sports. I would like to see one of these teams that's in one of the spots where you do have to blow up your roster and take a step back for a couple of years to actually try rostering a bunch of roll five guys, because it'd be more interesting than, what bad teams usually do, which is, I don't even know, just a bunch of whatever the Mets did circa 2010 to 2013. Like, I would rather, like, I would rather see a bunch of Rule 5 guys get their shot than trot out the, like, the husk of Aegon, which is what the Mets did. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in, in some ways... If you're a system that is having a hard time developing people, it's pretty easy to just snag other people's half-developed prospects and uh, <laughs> make something of them than to try to start from scratch on your own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you for listening, folks. If the Mets do something else tomorrow, we'll have another one of these tomorrow, maybe. But uh, you know, for now... Please go to amazingavenue.com. we got lots of stuff about the winter meetings. We'll have lots of stuff about the Rule 5 draft. Um, Allison's on Twitter at PetitePhD. Lucas is on Twitter at Elvlahos343. I am on Twitter at Brian Zanap. And until next time, let's go Mets.